0: Amen. The king is alive. We're going to be in the book of Jude again this morning. Jude 25 verses. The book of Jude. So if you'll turn there, let's stand together as we as we read just a portion of it. We're going to begin with verse 5. This is Jude 5. He says, I will therefore put you in remembrance though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. Verse 6 says, And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Verse 7, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah And the cities about them uh, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you give us your word, and there are things that you certainly want us to remember. And Lord, help us as we seek to hide your word in our heart as we seek to become more of what you want us to be. Lord, would you bless our time this morning? Would you have your way in this uh, this very service? And the things would be done just exactly like you want them done. And we pray that you would receive all the glory. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. You may be seated. Now, I've entitled the message... Uh, Part Three, Jude Part Three. The Battle belongs to the Lord, and so now that's very important that uh, we understand that no matter what we face, the battle belongs to the Lord. Now, let me tell you first of all uh, i'm going to be here tonight i have uh, uh Brother Bill has given me a night off over at uh in sulphur, but right after the service this morning, I have to leave. And uh, uh, head back over. I'm having lunch with Pastor Lutzer. Many of you knew that he was he was preaching in sulfur this uh, uh, this morning. And so my wife and I are having lunch with him. And so I'm gonna have to leave right after the service and dart out. I normally like to stay right back there and shake everybody's hand. That's important to me. And so Johnny's going brother Johnny's gonna take my place out there this morning. And so. Uh, uh, but know that I will be back here tonight, and I'm uh, pretty excited about that. Uh, if you want a little preview, then just look over Luke chapter eight that's one of my most favorite passages in Scripture. Luke chapter eight, uh, we're going to be looking at some things in in that passage. But over the last couple of weeks, we have been in a study of Jude, what I consider a valuable study. a uh, a a very very important book as they all are but sometimes these shorter books as we've as we've uh, mentioned before can go unnoticed but these shorter books are power packed and uh, they are the very Word of God and so now we talked about a challenge and that challenge is that uh, to read the book of Jude uh, 25 verses to read the book of Jude as many times as possible between now and when we end our study, which I project to be in about three more weeks. Now, we're going down through about chapter, about verse 9 today, and so this is our third week, so I think it'll be about three more weeks the way I've got it planned. Uh, but not just that, but to, I want to challenge you to memorize the entire Book of Jude. Now, 25 verses, and you can do that. You can do that. Um, And, you know, I want to say this it's not so that we can puff up and say, well, we got the whole thing memorized. That's not it. It's so that we can become more of what He wants us to become, so that we know more about Him. Look, we live in a time when people are mocked for their faith in Christ. And so we must not be we must be able to stand against that and the only way we can stand against that is to hold on to his word. We have to know his word. Uh, I'm telling you, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they knew the promises of God. They knew and that's why they were they were able to stand against that even when they faced that fiery furnace. And so we have to know his word. And so the whole motive, the whole purpose behind memorizing this entire book is to be to know more about what God wants for us, I believe it'll change our lives. I believe it'll change our church. So uh, uh, that's that's the challenge. Now we've talked this far uh, about the fact that Jude was a humble man. He humbled himself. What an example for us! We know that Jesus humbled Himself. We looked at in verse one that Christians are sanctified; they're set apart. Christians are preserved. Now that teaching is that once you are saved, nobody can pluck you out of the hand of God. That is eternal security. The key is, is have you been saved? That is the key. And look, I believe this. I believe that everybody in here this morning, whoever that is, has been called by God to be here. And... He has. He, we might wake. We might think, "Well, I woke up. I drugged myself here." I believe God put you here this morning. Put us here, me, myself included. He loves us with a passionate love, and we're going to see that this morning. He loves us, and He wants to save us. And we looked at in verse one that He has called us. I, I believe the Bible teaches that all are called to salvation. Now, not everybody's going to accept that, but all are called. Now, I hope the answer that you've given to that call is yes, that you've received him as your Savior. But also, you and I are called to serve him right where we are. The people all around the world want, want to go uh, go share the gospel all around the world, and they're not doing it right where they are. We gotta, we've got we got to represent him, serve him right where we are. And uh, we talked about uh, earnestly contending for our faith, or for the faith in Jesus Christ, and that is so important. You know, we have some young people in here that are in college, and uh, they are f- college is hard. College is difficult because you're you're faced with even on a Christian campus, you're faced with uh, opposition, uh, the people that oppose your faith. And uh so you've got to know the word. And, and the, the direction from Jude is that we are to earnestly contend for our faith. And that means it's hard work and it's continuous. And so we talked about those things. Last week we looked at how important it is for us to obey, to listen and obey God's word. And then we talked about being faithful to Jesus Christ. Now this morning. We're going to look at three things, three things that God wants us to remember. And I'm sure that there's more than that in this passage. But I've pulled three things out of here that I believe God wants us to, to remember. Number one, he wants us to remember his responses, how he has responded. That's crucial. And I say that's crucial because he has, give, he has repeated it three different times in this passage that we just read. He wants us to remember how he responds, how he responds when certain things happen. He wants us to remember what he knows. And then he wants us to remember, oh, I love this, that the battle belongs to him. It's his. Whatever you're facing, it's his. So now... Let's review. I'm going to be holding my Bible. If I stray very far from you, this Bible, I'm using my daughter's Bible, not this daughter over here, my youngest daughter, and uh, I grabbed her Bible again this morning. I have left mine with someone else, and so uh, uh, I'm, I'm about ready to get it back. But mine lays open. This one does not. It wants. To, it's got a spring on it. I think. So remember now, Jude is the half brother of Jesus Christ. Now we we. We believe that, scholars believe that, uh, and we know in those, in those passages in Matthew chapter 13 and in Mark chapter 6, he's called Judah, he's even called Judas, but we've put that together along with the fact that in verse 1, Jude says, I'm the brother of James, now he calls he he mentions his own name and then he says I'm the brother of James. Now James was the half brother of Jesus Christ. And so Jude humbly instead of describing all about himself, he says, "Look, I'm the servant of Jesus Christ. I'm the brother of James." And now uh, most of the English translators, Bible translators have instead of putting Judas or Judah, on the title of the book, they put Jude so that there's no confusion with uh, maybe this, this one was written by Judas Iscariot. No, that's not it. It's by the half-brother, I believe, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Now, we know that from verse, uh, from verse 3, he's, he was intending to write to them about something else, about the common salvation. Okay, we're all saved through Jesus Christ. It, let me put it that this way. If you receive Jesus as your savior, if you admit your sins, believe in your heart that God has raised him, that God the Father has raised him from the dead and that he lives today. And he does and then you confess him, you call upon him as your Savior, and you confess him as Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. That you will, I, I did that when I was 12 years old. And so that's how we're saved. We're saved through Jesus Christ. That's what Jude was going to write to these people about, whoever this church is. But God changed his mind. or Let me say that. God changed what, he, he, uh, what Jude was to write. And we can see that in verse three, and so Jude, verse three is a very important example about listening to God and then following through. Too many times in my life, I've listened and then I've thought, you know what? That's a little difficult. That that way seems a little hard, and I chose the wrong way. And we've learned in here that look, we can we can know. All the scripture, we can have it all memorized. Know what God wants, and that's not wisdom, right? And because I can know what God wants, and and then choose to disobey Him, and that's foolishness. And so, uh, and Jude listened. Jude, Jude, verse three is a great verse of listening. And then, you know, even even though Jude wanted to write to them about the common salvation. God said, no, I need you to write about this. And they were to, uh, these people needed help. And he was to write to them to earnestly contend for the faith. That was the message, to earnestly contend for the faith. This church was in danger. They needed help. And uh, we see in verse 4 that there were certain men that were creeping in. Now, I think the teaching here is that these guys crept in unaware. In other words, they look good. Oh, they look good. They they looked godly. They looked like they had it all together. But Jude says in Jude chapter 4, excuse me, Jude verse 4, he says they're ungodly. These are ungodly men, and they crept in, they crept in unaware. They were they were uh, deceptive, and their doctrine was this. We looked at it last week. Their doctrine was, you can see it from verse 4, they turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. Now, college students, listen, you're going to be taught this. High school students, you're going to be taught this, and you're gonna, you're going to have to earnestly contend for your faith, for the faith in Jesus, I'm telling you. We, we live in a day when that's, we just have to do that. And this is not the only time in history that we've had to do that, or that, that this has had to be. We've, you have to earnestly contend for the faith, and it's hard. It's, it is difficult, but you have to know the Word of God. And th- what these guys were teaching was, it says they were turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. They were teaching that since we're under grace, it's okay if you sin. He went grace. That's what those guys were teaching, and so when that happens, when you're confronted with that, when you're confronted with some guy that tells you, eh, "It's okay if we do this. It's all right." You know, God understands. The, the answer to that is in Romans chapter six. As a matter of fact, it's all through the Bible. Romans chapter six says Paul says that grace abounds. Should we should we continue in sin? And he says, "God forbid." So you have to take them. You have to be able to to know Romans 6. You have to know that, that, no, we're under grace, yes, but does that mean that we should continue in sin and we should just do whatever? Let's let it all go. No, that's the answer. And so uh, you have to contend for your faith, contend for the faith in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the other thing these guys were doing is that they were teaching, they were denying Jesus Christ. Now, that is historically, that's just done over and over and over and over again throughout history, is to deny that Jesus is truly God. See, they were denying that. And we studied Colossians. And remember, that was going on in Colossians, uh, in the city of Colossae, the church at Colossae. So here, that's what these guys, so these guys were doing, was they were denying Jesus Christ, and that's a serious thing. And so uh, it is, we're going to see this morning that it is a big deal to God when someone tries to lead his children, his flocks, when someone tries to lead them away from Jesus, or someone tries to lead them into sin, it is a huge thing. And so, listen, if you are confronted, young person, if you are confronted with someone that says, well, I don't know about that Jesus thing, then you need to take them to, you need to know Acts 4.12. Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation. There is not salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is Acts 4.12. It's only through Jesus Christ. And you have to hold on to that. Just hold on to that. And so that's earnestly contending for your faith. And so let's look at God's responses to these these people. And we live in an age where uh, where. We are, we are mocked if we stand for our faith. We're mocked. But God is with us, and you need to know that. Look what happens. It says in verse uh, 5, he says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. Now that's a reference all the way back to numbers 14. As a matter of fact, it's reference to numbers 13 and 14. That's where they they came out of Egypt. He delivered them out of Egypt, out of Egyptian bondage and gave them so much listen to what they saw. They saw the the Red Sea part they saw, uh, they saw God demonstrate his power over all those, those uh, Egyptian kings, oh, over all those Egyptian gods, should I say. Uh, that's what the plagues were. They, were. they were God demonstrating his power over all the Egyptian gods, or many of the Egyptian gods, let me put it that way. They traveled all the way out to a place called Kadesh Barnea, and then they sent spies out. Now, they had already seen God's power. They sent the spies out. And the spies came back and said, yeah, that that land, you could read this in Numbers 13 and in Numbers 14. It looks good. It's flowing with milk and honey. But the people there, the guys there are too big for us. They're, They're giants, and we can't take them. And when you get into Numbers chapter 14, here's what you see is there were 10 of those guys that convinced the congregation, the whole there was a vast congregation there, a, a vast multitude of of Israelites they con- convinced them, and those people begin to murmur against uh, against God, against Moses and Aaron, and ultimately against God, and so you think of that that situation, they heard God speak at Mount Sinai, they saw his power, and they said no we can't we can 't take them and so uh It says in Numbers 14 that God prohibited. He actually destroyed them. That's what it says here. He did not allow anyone 20 years or older to go into the promised land, to enter into his rest, except for there were a couple of guys by the name of Joshua and Caleb. They were true. They were faithful. They contended for the faith. And so the the lesson is this it assures us this that these certain men causing all the trouble that trying to lead the people away from God it, it 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 emphasizes it it gives an assurance that they will certainly be judged that's what he's showing that's what he's showing right here they're going to be they're going to be judged even though they started out well and maybe they even walked with God. But Jude says, look at it in verse, verse 5. It says, afterwards, as you know, the Israelites, they started out well. But afterwards, he destroyed them that believed not. That's what it says in verse 5. And so God is is, is showing them something. He's, he's showing, this is, this is my response concerning these guys. They were trying, those those people... Those men, whoever they were, were trying to lead the children of God away from the truth. Now, let's go a little further. It says, And the angels, in verse 6, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Now, this could be a reference to a couple of things, and there is scholars kind of disagree on this. It could be a reference to, you know, these angels, they were with God in the very beginning uh, when he created everything. These were, they were in heaven with him, and so when Satan rebelled, he took a lot of angels with him, one-third. So a lot of them got cast out. And so it could be a reference to that time, but I personally don't think so. Can I prove that? No. But I feel like it's a reference to another time, and that is in Genesis chapter 6. You might write that down. In Genesis chapter 6, it says something like this. I'm going to paraphrase. This is right before the flood. It says that the sons of God, that's a reference to the angels, I believe, were. Uh, were having uh inappropriate contact, I'll put it that way, with some of the women. And how they were able to do that, I have no idea, but that's what the Bible says. And it was bad. And God looked around and all he could find, I mean the wickedness was was rampant. And he found Noah and his family. And he destroyed everybody else. But I I have a sneaking suspicion that it's a reference, that this reference to angels is a reference to uh, that Genesis 6 passage. And here's why I believe that. If you look on down, look at verse 7. It says in verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, now, see those two verses are linked. So Sodom and Gomorrah, there was some inappropriate... Uh, sexual relations going on. And so that tells me that verse 6 and verse 7 are linked up and and verse 6 dealt with some inappropriate relations. And that's what was going on in chapter 6 of Genesis. Nonetheless, what God has done is he has chained down some angels. Even as we're in here this morning, uh, we're studying Jude. The Bible says that there are angels that are chained down. Now, there are some on the loose right now, and we call them demons. Now, Satan's on the loose, but he, he can't be in more than one place. But his little demons, they're, they're all over the place. They're going to be in one place at a time, but there's a multitude of them. But there are some angels, demonic angels, that are in chains as we speak this morning. And so here's the lesson. It assures us that these certain men, see, it's in the context of these certain men that have crept in and they've crept in unaware, that they will be, they will uh, be judged. They're causing all the trouble. They're going to be judged, no matter what their spiritual status has been. Maybe they, maybe they initially were walking with God. These, these angels, they. Initially, we're in the presence of God before Satan sinned. So it assures us that these men are going to be judged. Same as the previous lesson of verse 5. Now look on down, and it mentions verse, in verse 7, it mentions Sodom and Gomorrah. It says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah And the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. We know that refers to the homosexuality as sin. It says, and going after uh, strange flesh are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal flame. So, now, let me just... I've written down here, Ezekiel 16. Let me just say that we know some of the notable sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was bad. But there were some other sins, too, in Ezekiel uh, chapter 16. Specifically, I think it's down about verse 49, somewhere in that neighborhood, talks about some other sins. Look, these people in Sodom and Gomorrah, they were prosperous. There was prosperity. They they were full of food, fullness of food, abundance of idleness. That's what it says. They had material blessings, but yet they, uh, they sinned and they were judged. And so the important lesson is this. It assures us that these certain men that were causing all the trouble, They're going to be judged no matter how much they had been blessed in the past. No matter what their blessings were, they're going to be judged. They were trying to lead God's people in the wrong direction. And so can you see that the repetition of God's example, of God's response here, the repetition is that these guys are going to be judged. These guys will be judged. These these guys will be judged. And we know from our study of Scripture, whether it's the Greek or the Hebrew, Old Testament, New Testament, when you see in Scripture a repetition like that, it it emphasizes the importance. For instance, in Isaiah where that angel says or where those angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The emphasis is there is nothing more holy. That is holiness to the nth degree. In this situation where we see example after example after example describing judgment, whether it's the judgment of those that, that saw the power of God and they, they said, no, we, we, uh, we can't accept that. We, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back into bondage. Or whether it's those angels that they were with God in the very beginning and they rebelled, and they rebelled in a serious way. Or whether it was uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, judgment is coming. And so that is that is something that God has given to, uh, to Jude Instead of Jude writing about the common salvation, which is so important, God says, here's what I want you to write about. Because there's some people that have snuck into the church, he tells him. And I want you to remind my people of how I respond to that. Now, next thing. God wants us to remember, look at verse 8. He wants us to remember what he knows Here's what he knows about those guys. He knows, it says, likewise, these filthy, they're filthy dreamers. They're dreaming about filthy things. It says there they defile the flesh. You see, those? Uh, that, that's a reference to the preceding uh, verses. They're involved in all kinds of things they ought not be involved in. But look at this next part. They def- they despise dominion. They defile the flesh. In other words, they, com- they pollute, they contaminate the flesh. They're filthy dreamers, but they despise dominion. That has this meaning. It means they reject authority. They reject it. And, and you know, as I was studying for this, I was thinking about how Jude... As he was writing this, I mean, here's this man that humbled himself. He was the half-brother of Jesus, and he doesn't even mention that here. He humbled himself, and he wrote about Jesus Christ. So these men, they rejected authority. And then look what it says. They speak evil of dignities. That could be a reference to the apostles. It's a reference to somebody. Maybe it's government authorities, but they speak evil of dignities. And so what are the implications here? The implications is that, that these guys, and God knew it, he knows all things. That's what he knows, and he wants us to know that. He knows all things, and he knows exactly what's going on in, in this situation with these men. And he knew what they were thinking about. He knew what, how they were responding to authority. He knew exactly what was going on. And he knows everything about us. He knows what we're dealing with. He knows who is uh, giving us a, uh, problems. He knows all about us. Everything. And so these guys, the implication here is that these men were examples of of what we're not supposed to be like. And you might write this down. And that is 1 Peter chapter 2. I tell you uh Peter 1st 1st Peter and 2nd Peter. Man, I tell you those those two books right there can impact your life. Write down 1 Peter chapter 2 and that's where where God tells Peter to write these words, and it has to do with being subject to authority. government authority see God does not want us running the government authorities down. so when you hear someone that's this is a way you can contend for the faith. when you hear someone running down the government authorities, well maybe it's the police officers or whoever it might be that uh, that goes against what the bible teaches whether it's 1 peter chapter 2 or you could even write down romans chapter 13 paul deals with it as well because he says both those men say that there is no power but of god and those that are in charge are only there because he has allowed it and so we're to demonstrate a humbleness a respect for the position, but when these, whoever they are in authority, when they direct us to disobey God's word, we have to earnestly contend for the faith. And that's what was going on in, in Daniel's day. He, was, he honored Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, as a matter of fact, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, were, they honored Nebuchadnezzar. He, remember, he told them, you're going to have to bow Before my statue, when you hear the music. And they said, Oh, King, we don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about this. We just, we we can't, we can't bow to that. They earnestly contended, but they were, they were respectful. Daniel was respectful. And that's what God expects us to do. So these men were, they were examples of what we're not supposed to be like. As a matter of fact, I, I was, when I was studying for this sermon, I was thinking about this stockbroker that I used to know up in Shawnee and kind of the, uh, the uh, all the, the things that were said were that, hey, okay, go find out what, what he says and do just the opposite and you make money. <laughs> so what these guys were doing, we look at what they were doing and we need to do just the opposite. What they were doing. Now let's look at the last one. God wants, God wants us to remember how he responds. How he responds to these that, that crept into the church and they tried to pull God's people in the wrong direction. Now, see, that's happening today. All, all around the world. He wants us to remember his response. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. God knows he, he wants us to remember what He knows. He knows everything about us. He loves us, and He knows that we're sinners, and He still loves us. Now, that sin is a big deal, and we could see that in this this passage. Now, let's look at uh, let's look at verse nine. It says, "Yet Michael." The archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Excuse me. And he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, Jude is known for this. He is known for these obscurities from the Old Testament. And we're going to run into a few more here uh, next week, over the next couple of weeks. This is one of those obscurities. Nowhere else do we know that there was a dispute about the body of Moses. Right here is where we find that out. There was a dispute. We we know that uh, Moses died. He was not able to go into the promised land, but the Bible says he he just went off and died. He He got to look over into it But right here in Jude, we learn that there was a dispute. And, you know, some of these, uh, the angels being chained down. See, that's one of the obscurities of the Old Testament. And so uh, we see this brought out in Jude. But it says, Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil. So here's Michael. That's the, the archangel. That that means a, one of the lead angels. He is he's in charge. There are hierarchy of angels, and he's he's not just one of the small angels. He is he's a leading angel, and he's contending with with the devil. And so you can see here that uh, these men, these certain men, they're going to be characterized as lining up with the devil. And God's people is lining up with Michael, the archangel. Michael stands, he stands in stark contrast to these men back up in verse 4. And it says he, he was disputing about the, the body of Moses. Satan probably wanting to take the body of Moses and destroy it. Because we know that uh, that body is going to, I believe anyway, that when we get over and over in Revelation, it's going to be used. He's going to come back. We know about the Mount of Transfiguration, the Mount of Transfiguration. See, Satan's wanting to destroy that, apparently. But he says, Michael's response was not, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Michael's response was this. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Now this is the this is the lead angel, and he says to Satan, The Lord rebuke you. That ought to be a a good example for us. Now if you have your your Bible there, would you turn back to Ephesians? Ephesians chapter six down about verse twelve. Ephesians 6, verse 12. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, that's a reference to the division, the hierarchy of angels. And the Bible says we war not against flesh and blood. You may be in here this morning, you may be thinking, well, that person next to me, he's, he's my problem. And I'm going to tell you, that person sitting next to you is not the problem. That person at work is not your problem. Because the Bible says, and we, we can just hang on to it. The Bible says we, don't, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against something else. And so the problems that you are facing, whether you're a student in here, or whether you're a senior saint the problem is not some person because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood it says that but against principalities against the powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places that's the problem that is your problem and that is my problem that's who we wrestle against oftentimes it's played out in the flesh but see, that person that you're wrestling against, they need to know Jesus. They need to know Acts 4:12. See, they need, they need to see you representing Jesus, because they're not the real problem. Your husband, your wife, they're not your children, they're not the problem. See, that's what we have to, to remember. We have to remember God's word and to when we're confronted with that and we find ourselves in the middle of this trial, then we have to earnestly contend for the faith. And a part of that means we have to remember, I'm not not really wrestling against flesh and blood here. There's something much deeper. It may be played out in the flesh, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let's go back over to Jude. See, let's read verse 9 again. It says, when Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, disputed about the body of Moses, he durst not bring against him a railing accusation. But he said, the Lord rebuke you. Here's what we have to know, is whatever we face, these people at that church, whatever church that was, and we don't know for sure, The Bible doesn't tell us. We can speculate. But here's what we have to know that no matter what we face, whether it's that church facing uh, deceptive people coming in and trying to lead them astray, trying to lead them into more sin, trying to lead them in, in a way that goes against Jesus Christ being the Savior, whether it's that or any other problem that you face, The ultimate solution is this. The battle belongs to God. And that's what he's trying to tell these people. You're facing this situation, and here's how you respond. The Lord rebuke you. That's how Michael responded. The Lord is in control. That's what you have to keep in your mind. The Lord is in control. He knows what I'm facing. Second Peter, oh, I, I'm telling you now, You read 1 Peter, you read 2 Peter, it'll change your life. 2 Peter, it's chapter 4 and verse 12. It says something like this. Don't think it's strange, the fiery trial that you're under. You remember that verse? Don't think it's strange because you're facing some fiery trial. God knows exactly what's going on in your life. The battle belongs to God. And how do we respond? We respond by earnestly contending for the faith. We respond by just waiting on God. Here's what we have to do. Every decision we make in these hot situations or whether they're, when they're not so hot, we make our decisions based on eternity. That's crucial now. We, we make our decisions based on eternity, not based on the immediate uh, future. So when we're put in this, this hot situation, and maybe it gets so hot that we might even become a martyr. See, that's how that happens. You're convinced of what God says. That's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. For all they knew, this was over. We contend, earnestly contend for the faith. We hold on to what the Scripture says. And we hold on to the fact that the battle belongs to God. And until, when you're in that hot situation, and there may be some in here in hot situations right now, until you get direction from God, then you just hold firm. You just stay firm right where you are. See, now I'm preaching to myself, because too often in my life, when it got a little hot, I might try to cut and run, but that's not God's way. We've come through James, and we know this. When the the heat is on and we're in the midst of the trial, we've got to let patience have our perfect work. Just be patient. Just be patient. Be patient. See, God knows what's going on, and the most important thing he wants us to know this morning is the battle belongs to him. It belongs to him. Let him fight your battle for you. Now, let him direct you through the hot spot. We just have to earnestly contend for the faith. Let's stand together. Lord, you know every heart in here. You know every situation that's going on. Lord, you know those that, that really, they love you. And you know those that are playing games. Oh, God, I pray that you would would touch the hearts of every person, that you would pull hard on those that haven't turned their life over to you. And, Lord, I pray this morning they would receive you as their Savior if they haven't already, that they would rededicate their lives to you. Lord, would you do a powerful work. Thank you that you have given us your word and you want us to remember how you respond when people try to lead us away from your truth. Thank you for reminding us of what you know. You know everything. You know what we're facing. And thank you for reminding us that we war not against flesh and blood. That's not what the real battle is. And, but the battle belongs to you thank you, Lord, that you're more powerful than anything we face. Would you have your way this morning in every heart, every heart, in Jesus' sweet name, amen.